Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> it may be the nighttime. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Rob Tribble in for John Chuckery along with that Pittsburgh Steelers zealot, Dom. Good evening, everybody. Man, it's cold in the studio, these big old bay windows on my thinning blood. We have a four-hour carnucopia of bliss coming up. Lots to get into, of course. The latest on DeMar Hamlin. Hawks get a win last night, but, oh, the, the troubles in this franchise run deep, my friends. Very, very, very deep. Bulldogs getting ready to head out to Los Angeles tomorrow for Monday night's uh, national championship game. And wait till you hear, the Atlantic did the story on this game, and they talked to nine different coaches around the country, many head coaches, many coordinators. Of course, they remained anonymous. They don't want to own their remarks. Um, They do not. And uh, what they have to say about what they think is going to transpire in this game is uh, pretty interesting to uh, say the least. Of course, Falcons mercifully ending the season on Sunday with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming to town. And uh, more looking forward to the uh, offseason and the draft, of course, when it comes to this team. So lots and lots and lots to get into. We're going to start off with some headlines. DeMar Hamlin has begun communicating. Now, he's got a tube down his throat so he can't talk, but he is writing. And his first question reportedly was, did we win? And uh, this doctor said yes. You've won the game of life. I don't know if I believe that story. That just sounds too hallmarky to me. I was going to gonna say, doesn't that sound like super movie-ish? Like, super movie-ish. Like it yes. sounds like something straight out of a movie. Now, exactly. if that is true, DeMar's the ultimate football player. Like, He's the ultimate football player. If that's true, that's awesome. But I will tell you this. Apparently, he has retained all function in his brain. Now, they had to cool his body down and his brain. And it was medical attention was given in such a timely manner. That's all firing on all cylinders. Uh, neurological function is intact as well. And the Bills-Bengals game will not be resumed or replayed. Now, the NFL is going to do something a different way, and a lot of people have a thousand different opinions about this. I'm not sure. This is what they say. NFL is going to seed the AFC playoffs according to win percentage, and they'll put the AFC title game at a neutral site. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm fine with the 16 games, like winning percentage. Yeah. Why does what? Why do the, the neutral why, site? Yeah. Why the neutral site? Why deprive those hometown fans? Exactly. What if the Bengals get there? I think those Bengal fans would love. Yeah. To host an AFC Championship game, they had to go and win it in Kansas City last year. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh that's uh that one messing yeah, with things too much. That's wonky. Like, I mean, just yeah, just just seed it according to win percentage, and, and go from there. let it progress the way it normally would. Yeah. So that's just a little too much. That's like an overcorrection. 
if you ask me. But good news when it comes to uh, DeMar Hamlin. Really good news. Joe Thomas, the most decorated among the finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ten-time Pro Bowl tackle, but guess what? He never made the playoffs. Who else is on the list as finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Jared Allen of the Vikings, a lot of sacks in his career. Seven-time Pro Bowler, Darrell Rivas, Rivas Island. Dwight Freeney, another seven-time Pro Bowler. And Albert Lewis, interesting story here. He retired in 1998. He's waited 25 years to finally be on the ballot. Finalist for the first time. You got Rondé Barber. Devin Hester, of course, the uh, greatest return man in NFL history. Maybe next to Cordero Patterson, who has more kickoff returns for TDs. Devin Hester, more known for punt returns for TDs. Of course, spent some time here in Atlanta. You got Torrey Holt, formerly of the greatest show on turf with the Rams. Darren Woodson, Patrick Willis, Reggie Wayne, Demarcus Ware. And also the, uh, the emeritus class. How is Don Coriel not in the Hall of Fame already? One of the most innovative minds a lot of things you see offensively on a football field nowadays, you can thank Don Coriel. Remember those famous Air Coriel offenses with Dan Fouts, a quarterback out there in San Diego in the uh, early 80s, late 70s. You got Ken, Ken, Ken Riley and uh, Chuck Howley as well. And, of course, UGA, TCU, 7.30 Monday night. No tailgating allowed outside of that, that stadium in Los Angeles. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Well, you would think that's a California thing because California is the most regulated, controlling, neurotic, ridiculous, power-hungry, oppressive state in the union. They have 395,608 regulations in their law book, the most heavily regulated state in the nation. But guess what? It's not their fault. It comes from the college football playoff committee. They just want to keep everything streamlined in the parking lot. But think about this, though. Is it really a big deal? If you're a UGA fan, how the hell are you going to tailgate when you're flying out there? You'll find a way. You'll find a way. <laughs> you'll find a way. <laughs> listen. That's a you, good point. If you really want to, you'll, listen, man, we just need to find a parking lot. Somebody yeah. bring some grills and beers, and, and we'll be good. Well, we clearly just live in a time where people with power just love to regulate our behavior. They want to suck all the joy out of our life because they get off on it. That's what, it's, that's what everything's all about. Anytime anyone has a chance to regulate something, oh, they're going to do it. They get off on their power. In this case, it's a college football playoff committee, but okay, whatever. The game will go on. And like I said, the Atlantic wrote an interesting piece. I can't remember who wrote it, but I will get back with you on that. He polled about nine different coaches, many head coaches, some coordinators, and they gave you their opinions and prognostications on what could possibly transpire on Monday night between Georgia and TCU. That's a 7.30 kickoff, by the way. And uh, what they said, well, we're going to get into that a little bit later on. And how about this? How about the Georgia Bulldogs basketball team? Yes. Georgia basketball actually has a pulse. Last night, they beat Bruce Pearl's 22nd-ring Auburn Tigers 76-64. Georgia now 11-3. and And a lot to be said for having a good coach, and Mike White is a good coach. He averaged 22 wins a year in 11 years coaching at Florida and Louisiana Tech, and he owns Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl is his meek little cellmate. 
He has won six of nine meetings against Bruce Pearl. Now, this is light years removed from the sad Tom Crean era at UGA. He was 47 and 75 in four seasons in Athens. 2015, the last time Georgia got to the NCAA tournament, they were a 10th seed and they lost to uh, Michigan State on that particular night. Georgia Tech. Taking down number 12, Miami. Yes, you're going to say something dumb. Please. I was just going to say, this is a, so this is one of the proud moments for me. Um, it's nice to see Georgia and Georgia Tech have their uh, moments, but Georgia State, my alma mater, is still the best basketball team in this I'm not going to argue, state. and I was going to get to that. I was going to prop them up. Have you been to the new Convocation Center yet? Yes, I have. Is it pretty nice? It looks pretty it's nice sweet. driving by it. They've done a lot of renovations to the area recently. Yes, oh, I know they campus. have. Because my girl lives different. over there, all the restaurants and bars yeah. down there, all those apartments and everything. Mm-hmm. So what, how many, what's that hold, like 6,000, 5,000 or what? I believe it's 6,000. It looks like a cool. It's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's a really nice, it was a really nice stadium. Kyrie showed his face down there not too long ago, actually, for a Georgia State game. Why? He, was that when Brooklyn I, was yeah, in town? Yeah, when Brooklyn was down here, I think he was just like, yeah, let me go. He just wanted to go watch some ball. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. How's Georgia State doing this year? Uh, we're in flux right now. We're kind of figuring it out. Well, you know how it is, though. You can still sneak up and win the tournament. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely, in. Absolutely. Sunbelt Conference is still very much. But I was going to give a major, because I'm a big Georgia State basketball fan. Hey, because you know why? Because I never get to see Georgia Tech or Georgia in the damn tournament. <laughs> yeah. We have to rely on Georgia State and Mercer to get any <laughs> yeah. sort of enjoyment out yep. of March Madness yep. lately, right? Yep. So Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech takes down a 12th-ranked Miami last night. That McCame is 76-72, improved to 8-6 and six on the year. And it's like I said, it's a, damn, it's a lot more fun. The NCAA tournament is fun. March Madness is fun. And unfortunately, nowadays, that's the only time I pay attention to college basketball. And I think that's the case with most sports fans nowadays. College basketball is just so, I don't know, not yeah. interesting. Because <laughs> you know what? And it's actually a conversation I've had before. I think the whole one-and-done thing really does kind yeah, of sap it. Does. it. And God bless those kids. Go yeah. make your money. Listen, I get it. Go make their money. But it hurts that product. It absolutely does. And that's why I, I think they should get rid of the one-and-done. Listen, kids that are good enough to go one-and-done are good enough to come straight out of high school. Let them go to the NBA. Let, or let them go, go to the G, the G League. League. Go yeah. to, yes, exactly. I, I think maybe that's going to happen because mm-hmm. – it's getting where now. It's just not even yeah. Like watchable. unless unless you have a dog in the fight, like yeah. me, like uh, I believe it was either last year or two years ago when Georgia State was playing Gonzaga. Yeah, and it was a close game. Uh, right up until halftime, then Gonzaga pulled yeah. away. Yeah, but yeah, like, what was? It, yeah, I remember watching that game. I think we were up going into the half, and I yep. was sitting there like it was like a two or four point game yeah. either way going into the half. But yeah. it, they were they were playing very well and they're feisty. And I was super invested in it. Yep, yep. So hopefully, wouldn't it be nice if somehow Georgia can get into the NCAA tournament? Maybe Georgia's basketball players are tired of uh, looking upon themselves in shame when they're in the dining hall with a football team, right? Perhaps. And hopefully Georgia Tech can uh, get back. Of course, they got to the tournament last year. Before that, the last time before that was 2010. And Georgia Tech was a basketball school, the ACC and all that stuff. And speaking of uh, what once was a basketball school, Georgetown. Oof. Patrick Ewing, the legend himself. He was a big-time legend in college, of course. Leading Georgetown, four NCAA tournament appearances, three trips to the title game, and one national championship. But... In his sixth year as their head coach, times are hopeless, dark, marinating in suck, if you will. Yeah, I I really wanted 
I really wanted things to go well for him yeah. at Georgetown, and they just have not. They just have not. All. You know, last night, um, they lose to Villanova. They have lost 25 straight conference games. They are 5-11 and overall in the year. I mean, whew, unbelievable. And I, I think Duke's kind of struggling a little bit uh, with John Shire as, uh, yeah. as their head coach. In his first year, yeah. Yep. He's, they're, so. they're figuring it out. They're still, I, th- I believe they're still ranked in the top 20 at least right They'll now. They'll be a destination. But, yeah. you know, the one and does do, does make things interesting. You get a lot more upsets, it seems like, in March Madness now because those uh, smaller schools, well, you've got their starting five basically intact for four years. Yeah, they've got so their third or fourth year in, they're very got, good college basketball players and you, polished. Yeah, you've got like seven seniors on that team who have right. been playing basketball for four years in this system. They know what to do. They have, you know, they're, they're fluid. They have um, continuity with each other. It, it makes sense. They're a better basketball team. They better may not basketball be talented as, that's right. as the others, that's but they're right. a better basketball team. More polished. The word is polished. And uh, speaking of uh, polished or lack thereof, Hawks in action last night. We're going to come back and uh, get into that. And now uh, the first part, I'm going to deal. I'm going to devote probably two segments to the Hawks. And I welcome your phone calls with your uh, observations at 404-741-0929 because last night I watched the game. Interesting, fun ball game. And if you look at the box score, the box score is hilarious. Scoring by quarter. We'll get into that and how the game transpired. But after that, there's some deep seated issues with the Atlanta Hawks. And I hope they can be fixed. I don't know what's going to happen. You've had a lot of uh, very experienced people defect for other organizations, and uh, you got a lot of inexperienced people who could end up being good maybe. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people starting to uh, kind of look at Tony Ressler a certain day. And I interviewed Tony Ressler right when he took over. We had a big event at State Farm Arena when they unveiled the uh, new renovation. The place looks amazing, by the way. And Tony Ressler looked to me in the eye and promised me, I'm going to put all the commas and checks necessary to bring a winner to this town. And now there seems to be grumblings that uh, maybe he doesn't want to deal with the luxury tax. Is he starting to walk that back? But I think the uh, value of the Hawks right now, I think it's $1.8 billion, something like that. They've increased by like 18% over the last couple of years. So, come on, Tony. Pay the, pay the luxury. Can we have a winner in this town? Going to come come back and uh, – what do you hear about this box score from last night? It's fascinating. Rob Triple in for John Chuckery. This is Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now they have it, Fox, left wing. Knocked away, stolen by DeJounte Murray. DJ's going to take it in. He lays it up, and around the rim and in. DeJounte Murray scores, and the Hawks take a three-point lead with 16.8 to go. I love to hear a happy Steve Holman. He's been on that job since 1984. Welcome back. Rob Tribble in for John Chuckery. That was your game winner last night. Hawks get the win out there in the capital of uh, California, Sacramento, 120. 117 the final, and the Hawks snapped that unsightly four-game losing streak. Improved to 18-20. and 20. How about the Kings? A lot of people think the Kings might be a very dangerous team out west. Think about this. 20-17 and 17 doesn't sound that impressive, but the Kings have not gotten to 20 wins before January 3rd in 19 years, which is crazy to think. 
It's insane. I know. They got some players on that team, though, bruh. Look at the box score, though. First quarter, both teams score 30 points. Second quarter, Hawks outscore the Kings 31-28. Third quarter, both teams score 30 points. Fourth quarter, both teams score 29 points. And DeMantis Sabonis, his 15th straight double-double. He is a handful. Great night for John Collins last night. He and Trey hooked up on a beautiful alley-oop like they do. John Collins, his leaping ability amazes me. When he gets to the apex of his jump, he seems to freeze in midair with his chin about rim level. Yeah. He's, right? He's, he leaps out of the gym. It, it's amazing. 22 last night. 22 for him. DeAndre Hunter, 22 points, 12 rebounds. And Trey and DeJounte, both 21 points apiece. Kevin Herter, Red Velvet, kind of miss having him here. He's in the starting lineup now out there with Sacramento. He had 24 last night. He's averaging 17. I think he might have been misused here in Atlanta coming off the bench. He seems to be far more comfortable as a starter. Now, the Kings had a 13-2 run to go up three with about a minute 16 to play. And the Kings uh, still have 20 wins before January 3rd, which is amazing. And DeJounte Murray had those key, two key free throws to put the Hawks up one and then picked De'Aaron Fox's pocket and closed out the game with that layup. And uh, after the game, after the game last night, here's Nate McMillan talking about the fact that the Hawks maintain composure. Uh, they did make a run, but it, the game wasn't over. It wasn't out of reach. And uh, we were able to keep our poise, uh, go down, get a score. Trey uh, had a quick attack to the basket and uh, got an and one uh, in that situation to, I think, put us down a possession. Uh, so we kept our heads and we, uh, you know, just stayed with it. Well, there you go. And there's been a lot of questions about Nate's offense, not very imaginative. Sometimes it flows nicely. It seems to flow a lot better when Trey's not in the lineup, unfortunately. But there's got to be a way to clean those up. But there's so many problems with this team. We're going to elaborate on that. But first off, let's go down to Peachtree City and uh, see what uh, Pete has to say. Pete, welcome. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, guys, I'm going to make this quick. The problem with the team is Trey Young. Last night he shoots 12 times, they win the game. Out of all the point guards in the NBA that qualify for a field goal percentage title, he is third from the worst. In three-point percentage, he is the worst among every point guard that qualifies. He leads the league in turnovers for point guards, and he is rated as the worst defensive point guard, and he can't get along with the coach. I don't understand how we continue to try to build a team around this guy that doesn't seem coachable if we just go by the past and continues to just jack shots up. When you shoot 40% from the field and 28 to 30% from three, you're not a star anymore. And that's what he's done the entire year, and he can't get along with the coach. I don't understand why he doesn't get more, catch more crap. I appreciate you, Pete. There's a lot of people in this fan base that certainly agree with Pete. My God, do you hear Mike and Carl every day? I mean, it, this city is starting to turn on Trey very yes, it quickly. Is. Yes, it is. Very quickly. It seems like more so Trey than Nate, but Nate's getting his share of heat too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think both of them are both of them share a large part of the blame in, for their for their struggles these last two years. Well, this year and last year. Yep. Um, but it's it's very interesting how quickly 
Trey has fallen out of the graces of this city after just leading this team to an Eastern Conference Finals not what less than three years ago. And it's a, it's kind of sad. And I, I know Pete was complaining about uh, Trey's defense. I'm going to defend him in this regard, but not completely. I will somewhat defend Trey, defensively speaking, but he's not completely exonerated because it's up to him to improve. When he was in Oklahoma, he was the only offense they had. So what does that mean? He had to conserve energy, and he couldn't extend himself that much on defense. He couldn't. That, that's realistic. That's just the way the game is played. He was their only source of offense, so defense was not a priority. But I think that hindered his development. But he has such flamboyantly, seemingly gifted skills as an offensive player. What did they do? The Hawks draft him and trade Luka Doncic for him. And we're not going to get into the Luka trade thing. It's, it's tired. It's tired. And as a result... His defense hasn't improved because it was pretty dormant, if not non-existent, in Oklahoma. But I will always maintain this. If you can figure out 75 different ways to athletically and amazingly get the ball in the hoop, you can play some damn defense. It's Defense yep. is all about desire and footwork and some fundamentals that are easily mastered. Yes. I was, at the end of the day, like offense, that's skill and stuff like that, and that's really nice. But rebounding, defense, at the end of the day, 90% of that stuff is effort. Right. How badly do you want to do it? That's what it is. And uh, that game before, now Mike Bell and I, I filled in for Carl last week. We went to the Brooklyn game, and uh, Hawks played very well. Trey was out with a calf injury. I don't think Kobe would ever sit out with a calf injury, but that's just me. That's just me. But that night before with the Pacers, that was I, – I wanted to pick up a toddler or an animal and throw it at the TV, and I love toddlers and animals. That's how mad I was watching that damn game up in <laughs> Indianapolis. They were they were so lethargic. They didn't want to be there. Yeah. You heard Nate in the huddle during a timeout mm-hmm. pleading with them to play defense. Yep. It's got to be a desire. Part of that comes from the coach, but you're also a well-compensated professional athlete. Where's the sense of urgency? Where is the damn sense of urgency with this team? And, my God, it seems like every time lately on there when I talk about the Hawks, I start getting angrier and angrier. Why does it mean so much – why? I just want to know, why does it mean so much? Justifiably I so. I yeah. mean, because you've seen what this team can do yeah. when they when they do fully buy in. Yeah. Like, they they are one twisted ankle away from possibly of going to the NBA Finals a couple years ago. So, go. like, you've seen what this team can do. You've seen what Trey can do. You've seen that you can build a team around Trey. And all of the pieces are still kind of there for the most part, and the product over these last two years has been – completely different oh just going getting worse yeah, and worse and worse well the common refrain is nate took the job took him on that magical run he kept lloyd pierce's assistant coaches the next season he gets rid of them brings in his own guys that's understandable but it's certainly been diminishing returns and it's still it was still such a red flag last year early in the season when trey said well we're just bored in the regular season my God, dude, you haven't won anything. That was my main point last year. I remember when he first said that, and I was like, you all better make it to the finals this year. Yep. If you're going to talk like that, where, yeah, yeah. regular season is just boring. Man. You had one good playoff run, and you think you can talk like that? Man. And plus now he's gotten national exposure. He's the first talk to transcend this market since Dominique. He got his, he got his little Sprite commercial. I think he did a Chris Paul State Farm commercial with him. And uh, – showed up at that WWE event up in uh, Madison Square Garden just to troll the New York fans. And I thought that was brilliant and funny. But it seems like when all that attention started happening, Trey acted like he's arrived. He has arrived. Now, mm-hmm. he's not even – I don't even think he's a superstar right now. He's not. He's being paid like one. 
he's being paid like I don't think he's played like a superstar this year. I think for the course of his career, he's absolutely has superstar trajectory. Like I. I'm not like I'm not a Trey Trey Young hater, and I come to his defense. I'm not either. Um, like for my money, Trey Young is the second best point guard in the league behind only Steph Curry. And well, potentially talent. Yeah, absolutely talent wise. But but, but production wise, not right now, obviously. But, but does he give a, an ounce of the effort? Does he have an ounce of the work ethic that Steph Curry has? I don't know. I haven't seem like seen it. It seems like uh, it would uh, bear some fruit if that were indeed the case. So. Lots of issues with this Hawks team. And as far as Nate goes, and I talked about this uh, last night, Nate's big problem is he doesn't really like to play players that aren't that polished. The Hawks have two guys older than Stetson Bennett on their roster. The rest of them are younger than Stetson Bennett, younger than 25. <laughs> and they're not as polished. So as a result, A.J. Griffin's been forced into action because yep. of all the injuries. The Hawks' defenses, Hawks' benches depleted, but – when you have all those guys under 25 and they're not polished enough for Nate to fully utilize, what does that do? Well, that hinders their development. He's got a little bit of that uh, Tom Thibodeau in him where yes. Tom Thibodeau would go to a team and he would find six or seven guys that he really trusted. And that's it. And he would run them Ride, into the ride them. And Tom Thibodeau, those teams, first team to 90 wins. Like when he was the Bulls, when the Hawks were going to Chicago back when I was doing the Hawks pregame show, well, First team to 90 wins this game tonight. Well, yep. that's not the case anymore. So, a lot of issues with this Hawks team. And it goes way beyond just what's transpiring on the court. And we're going to deal with that uh, in the next segment. But I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on the Hawks. I mean, if you're like Pete, this is a very frustrated fan base. It seems like this fan base far more optimistic about the Falcons than they are on the Hawks, and they should be. Falcons have a realistically bright future. As for the Hawks, they're in this horrible mediocre purgatory, which drives you crazy. Thankfully, I actually did enjoy watching that game last night. But for the most part, it seems like now watching a Hawks game is a burden to me. Except tomorrow night, Lakers still glamorous, even though they're struggling. And uh, also, believe it or not, and this is coming up in the next segment, the Lakers have a role in what I think has been the depletion of Hawks player development. I'm going to get into that coming up in the next segment. But it just seems like it is just a burden. So after you get the Lakers tomorrow night, then on Sunday, what is it? Sunday's the Clippers. And then your return home next home game is on the 11th against Milwaukee. And for some weird reason, but this is the nature of sports, though. The Hawks have had success against Milwaukee. They've been a burr in the saddle of Milwaukee. But that's the way it seems to be in sports, though. Whatever sport it is, you could have a great team. You could have a great team in baseball, but for some reason – that last-place team in the American League Central just gives you fits every year. The Marlins were like that with the Braves for many years. The Montreal Expos were also an Achilles heel for the Braves for whatever reason. The Yankees, Tampa Bay seems to really frustrate the Yankees. So that's just how sports works. And the Hawks seem to have Milwaukee's number. But is this a team that you see reeling off? I mean, Mike and Carl – they're downright mocking the Hawks now. But I'm sorry, you kind of deserve it. You kind of deserve This is a fan base. We want a winner. You were sexy for a while. Now you're getting less and less sexy. Last night I said, you know, the Hawks were so sexy two years ago, but now it's like that man or woman you're so sexually attracted to, a primal attraction. But they kind of let themselves go. The dude's not dressing as well. He's not grooming. He's not brushing his teeth. He's uh, gaining weight. Same way that you're just not – 
Just not sexy what, anymore. What what did they say? It say you you used to you used to look good from afar. Now yes. you look far from good. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, lots more to get into. Of course, of course, we're going to do a deep dive into Georgia TCU, and also David Pollock was on with Dukes and Bell, the uh, one of the bulldog greats, three time All American out of a Shiloh High School. Of course making uh, quite the good living and doing a great job at uh, ESPN. One of the few people I actually like at ESPN. So he was on with them. We're going to replay that. I'm going to say at 840, we're going to replay David Pollock is what we're going to do, Tom. That's what we're going to do. I like that. All right, coming back, what role do the Lakers have in the demise of the Hawks? And also, interesting things when I did a deep dive into field goal percentages and what they precisely mean as it pertains to wins. Rob Tribble in for John Chuckery, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Rob Jewler for John Chuckery, flagship station of the Atlanta Hawks, Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. I remember the uh, the draft, gosh, this, this might have been 15 years ago. I was on the radio at the time. And, you know, David Stern would do the first round, then the assistant commissioner would come in. And uh, it was such a apropos thing because the Hawks were just so terrible. And uh, the Atlanta Hawks, and his, his voice just broke in such a sad way. And, of course, we just ran with that and played it over and over because that was the state of the Hawks at the time. And I hope we're not getting to that point, but it seems like we certainly are headed in that direction. Now you're starting to see little grumblings. Online, people that cover the Hawks or just are Hawks fans and have opinions. Is it time to just blow it up and start over? God, no. Please, no. And it's an interesting thing. In the NFL, quick turnovers are, and I've said it a lot, quick turnovers are very possible. It happens all the time in the NFL. Every year, six or seven different teams make the playoffs. But it seems like in the NBA, when teams rebuild, it just seems like it takes a decade. I mean, the 76ers were on their 15-year rebuilding period. But the Hawks do get the win last night, 120-117. to Very close game the entire way through. Very interesting game. Very fun game. Neither team led by more than nine points last night. But the Hawks' uh, issues, well, Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops summed up the chaos with the Atlanta Hawks and that turbulent Hawks organization. Of course, this year, injuries have been a factor. Lack of player development, a factor. Nate, like I said, prefers more polished players, so that kind of uh, hinders the development of young players. There was a big front office shakeup. Travis Schlink no longer running operations. You know that. And uh, never really got the reason why. The official statement, Travis Schlink, I don't know. It seems like something's going on in his personal life, or maybe he was burned out or something, but he did the proverbial more time with the family thing, which means he'll end up in Phoenix next year, I guess. Right. <laughs> so... And several key advisors have left also. And where do the Lakers fit into this notion? Well, the Lakers took away probably one of the Hawks' best coaches at developing young players. I'm talking about Chris Gent. Now, he played his uh, 
Interesting story. Played his college basketball at Ohio State. He was one of those floor sweeper types, those little hustle-won't-two guys that the fan base loved. Spent some time in the NBA. Won a ring with the Houston Rockets in 94. And the most interesting thing about Chris Gent is, over his career, which didn't last long, he played in more playoff games than he did regular season games. He played in 11 playoff games, six regular season games. And he's made his way up through the coaching ladder. He was LeBron's personal shooting coach with the Cavs way back in 2006. And, of course, what happened? Chris Gent gets lured away from the Hawks to the Lakers. That's got to be a LeBron thing. LeBron said, we need Chris Gent out here. So, apparently, LeBron has a, a big affinity for Chris Gent. So, you've had that turnover in the front office, and it appears from the outside, a lot of experience walked out the building only to be replaced by those with a lot less experience. You've got Landry Fields as a GM. He's only 34. Clearly a bright dude, though. His uh, NBA career cut short due to injuries. Went to Stanford. Was there all four years. You don't get out of Stanford unless you have a clue. But his experience is pretty scant. He was a G League GM and then the Hawks assistant GM, and now he's had this meteoric rise to sitting in the big chair making all the decisions at 34. And I'm not going to crap on Landry Fields. He just doesn't have any experience. But, you know, God bless him. He's, he's probably got his dream job. Played in the league, and I'm sure he can relate to players, young players who old coaches like Nate have difficulty doing. But there's just a lot of chaos in that Hawks front office. And now it's bled over to the floor. You have a coach that can't relate to his players. He admitted that himself. And you heard the tweet a couple of weeks ago. One NBA coach says that, well, Trey doesn't like Nate. Nate doesn't like Trey. And there seems to be a lot of guys in that locker room that don't like Trey. Is that due to resentment? Is that due to Trey maybe thinking he is uh, above everybody else? I don't know. I'm not going to say that about Trey necessarily. But certainly it seems like that might be the case. Like I said, I don't want to be unfair to Trey. I, I want Trey to play well. He's on my team that I love. But that's, there's just a lot of problems in this organization, and these problems run so deep that I'm starting to think that it's not going to be remedied overnight. And right now, what are the Hawks still in the ninth seed in the East? But And, and like I said, it seems like this year, your top five seeds in the Eastern Conference going to remain so. There might be some uh, swapping around in positions, but it's the top five teams than everybody else vying for the scraps from that table, pretty much. But you, can, you, you know how the uh, NBA has changed, certainly. Think about this. The Boston Celtics, under, under Casey Jones back in 1986-87, they shot threes about 10% of the time. Now, teams are getting about, Golden State's getting 41% of their points from beyond the arc. The Hawks are 20 29th at uh, 26.9. And here's an interesting correlation. Teams that don't shoot as many threes or make as many threes, they don't necessarily win, but the two-point field goal is still very important. And I did a kind of a deep dive into some analytics as much as I possibly could because I have the attention span of a gnat on crack. Two-point field goal percentage most correlates to higher win percentages. And this is from uh, TDS Total Data Science. 
This is in spite of the increased emphasis on the three-pointer. Three-point shooting lags in win correlation compared to two-point shooting. However, now follow me close, however, teams with a higher proportion of points inside the arc tend to have fewer wins. But you have to make your twos, though. That's the point. You have to make those and combine them with the threes. I mean, field goal percentages of field goal attempts from three-point have gone from 22% in 2010 and 11 to almost 40% now. So 40% of all field goal attempts in the NBA are from beyond the arc. So the old school big man with his back to the basket, long gone. And like I said, the uh, 87-88 Celtics under Casey Jones, they only shot threes 10% of the time. And the Hawks are getting about 26.9% of their points from three. And three-point percentages by team, Denver's the best three-point shooting team in the NBA right now at 39.8%. Brooklyn, who's, are, they're still on their win streak, aren't they? What, they won 12 in a row? No, nah, the Bulls, Bulls took them out the other night. Bulls took them out, so that's mm-hmm. a 12-game, I think it's a 12-game yeah, losing streak. Brooklyn second at 39.1. Then you have Portland, Phoenix. Golden State's about seventh. The Hawks are shooting 33.3% from three, and guess what? That's what they shot last night. So I guess we should be very happy the fact that the Hawks are – Consistent in one regard, they're shooting 33% from three. But there's just a lot of turbulence in this Hawks organization. I hope they clean it up. I certainly do. And you're seeing people turning against Tony Ressler, too. I mean, this fan base is frustrated. You just heard Pete in Peachtree City. He was basically yelling at me on the phone. (laughs) If he sent a text message to me, it would have been in all caps. caps. With the bird emoji and the Uh vomit emoji and all the things. A bunch of exclamation marks at the end, too, in case you didn't know that he was yelling. That's right. (laughs) So the Hawks are going to take on LeBron and the Lakers uh, tomorrow night. LeBron's been sick, but I'm pretty sure he's probably going to play, I would imagine. I don't know. He's definitely going to play. But he's starting to chirp about getting out of there, too. It seems like uh, it's unattainable with the Lakers. So LeBron's just a mercenary now. That was a really interesting like post game where he was kind of speaking like it was weird to see LeBron talk about kind of his NBA mortality yeah um because that's like I feel like that's the first time where he's kind of alluded to like this kind of coming to an end soon well he sees the writing on the wall so yeah. I mean he's 38 I mean, yeah I mean yeah obvi- like we obviously we know it but it's it just it felt weird because I feel like he's never really addressed it or gave it like he's like no I'm gonna be back and, like, this was the first time I felt like he was like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about life after. Kind yeah, of. but he still wants to stick around long enough to play with Bronny. But isn't his son maybe like a three-star? Is he even a four-star? I'm not even sure. I don't think so. I think right now he's like a three-star. I, but, but nepotism and his, uh, his say, sway, he'll, he'll get a chance that another deserving kid doesn't listen, get. Bronny's going to be a first-round pick. He might be a lottery pick just because someone's going to be like, well, if we draft Bronny, we get LeBron. Yeah, but the thing is, though, Michael Jordan's uh, kid didn't really. Yeah, no, they, they didn't. They didn't pan out. See, that's <laughs> the thing; it, it doesn't happen very often. Of course, we got to see Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Sr. play together with the Mariners. They both homered in the same game back to back. I believe it was. That was pretty amazing to watch. But there seems to be a step back factor, though. And plus. I would think if I were the kid of some legendary athlete, I don't know if I'd want to fall in those shoes. I'd just oh, go absolutely not. find my own way. Yeah, no, you that's that's 
the absolute like if you are a child of an athlete, the last thing you want to do is probably be an right. athlete because or like maybe be an athlete in a different sport. Yep. You know? Right, right. Do something else. Find something else to be athletic at. Because I mean, the doors will be open for you, but the comparisons with yeah. that, that's a burden. Abs- like it's, that is such a burden. Because you're never going to be able to live up to those expectations. Yep. Never. Yep. Well, there you go. So uh lots of problems in the uh, Hawks front office. Hope hopefully they can figure it out. And believe it or not, on Sunday night, we'll be at the halfway point of the season. Forty-one games in. Really? That's yes. Isn't that crazy? It, time flies, man. It does. Time flies when you're mediocre, <laughs> <laughs> which is the case with our beloved Atlanta Hawks. And uh, Nate McMillan, I don't know. Does he f- survive the season? I mean, maybe. I mean, he's talking about retiring a step at the end of the season. Yeah, retiring, resigning. And there was uh, some NBA reporter that uh, tweeted that he strongly considered resigning not too long ago. But he wouldn't get paid, so yeah. I think he wants to last the year and get paid and mm-hmm. ride off into the sunset. Nate's yeah. about fifty-eight. I would say he's been he's been coaching for a while. He was yeah. the coach for Indiana for right a couple of years. Like he's been doing it for a minute. He's, he's a hell around. of a player, but yeah. coach, eh, decent coach, I guess. But his approach has to change because the yeah. reality is the game. The game is so drastically different than from when he played. And he, he can't quite wrap his head around it i don't think i would say and he's mentioned that he you know he that that was that now grant i think that comment did get blown out of proportion a little bit when he was like you know it's hard to relate to the younger guys yeah sometimes. but he sounded so weary yeah in that thing it's like almost he was done yeah it sounds like it's it's weighing on him and, and that look on his face every now on the side he looks mm-hmm. like the room he's in smells really bad he's just got <laughs> yeah. this sour look i was yeah. like man dude it's not like somebody well, like the whole arena passed gas at one time. Yeah, like, oh, my he, God, it's he's, terrible. He's tired of watching his team jack up threes and not play yep. defense. <laughs> or or also what they tend to do, Trey will dribble, dribble, dribble until the shot clock's about to run out. Then he'll try to get a desperation assist and a desperation shot. It's either feast or famine. But we have seen instances where the offense flows beautifully. Guys rolling off picks, guys switching, guys moving all around, creating good shots, easy shots. But – it just seems to be not consistent whatsoever, and that's what's so maddening about this team. I think the starting three, and I hope they don't trade John. I like John Collins, Jonte Murray, and and Trey all together. I do. I think they can they can make this work if they want to. I think that what Dejounte Murray and I feel like a part of John Collins' struggles these last couple of years has. I feel like that is more on Nate because of his offensive philosophy, like DeJounte and his Murray, inability to help develop players he yeah. wants a polished product John mm-hmm. Collins is still kind of raw in a lot of ways but yeah. that athleticism you cannot coach that yeah DeJounte Murray and I I don't think it was necessarily a direct shot at Nate but DeJounte Murray said something really interesting after uh, their game when people asked him kind of about John Collins and his um you know how he's had like 20 plus points in the last in four of their last five games right and DeJounte was like yeah we're giving him the ball <laughs> like imagine how that works <laughs> yeah looks what ha- look what happens when you give a really talented super athletic guy he's not ball. over there in the corner waving his hey i'm open yeah. and i'm open and somebody drives the paint and throws up an ill-fated layup exactly all right we're gonna come back well you can uh pitch a tent anywhere in the city of los angeles you can defecate anywhere you can shoot up anywhere you can do a smashing grab break into a car and not get arrested but you better not tailgate Georgia TCU preview next. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.